Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, welcome to this week's episode. I am so stoked to have you here today. I am so, so grateful that I get to share the next hour with you. And I wanna remind you that although my personal story may be different than yours, I created this podcast for anyone who has ever felt self-conscious about their body or has the desire to love themselves unconditionally. And the problem that I've set out to address is that while the anxiety, fear, and disapproval of what you see in the mirror is not your fault, because we've all been influenced by media, society, cultural conditioning, and our childhood experiences, the solution does exist inside of you. And because you have the answer through shifting your internal experience, I trusted that there would be no better person to deep dive into this topic as my dear friend, happiness expert and life coach, Stephanie Kwong. Stephanie is a psychologist that hails from UC Berkeley. She's also a certified profession co-active life coach, and her personal mentors include personal development giants like Tony Robbins. For the past 15 years, she has helped individuals create a life that they're truly fired up about. And she's here to help us apply this to body image and how we can shift through subconscious programming and discover the answers within all of us. So let's meet our special guest today, Stephanie. Welcome, Steph, to the show. I'm so, so, so excited to have you here. I've been waiting for this day for many weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, I know we kept talking about doing this and now it's lined up. And I, this morning I was just like, oh, I cannot wait to have this conversation about all things that you're a master at. So I wanted to start with how you've become this just incredible go-to coach for mastering mindset, reprogramming subconscious beliefs, helping people get unstuck in the stuckness, all the things that you do so well that you talk about all day long and that have been profound in shifting my own relationship to productivity, procrastination, business, empowerment, all the things that I personally have struggled with the last couple of years. It's been really incredible following you and getting to know you and becoming your friend. So I would love for you to dive into just how this came to be and how you started this work. Yeah. So it's so funny because it was never something I thought I would do. A little quick back history is ever since I was a little girl, I loved being of service. I even got turned away from volunteering at the SPCA when I was nine years old because I was too young. And But again, always found ways of how can I give back? How can I volunteer? How can I support? How can I contribute? But I found myself actually working in the entertainment industry when I first moved to Los Angeles. And it was in that business where I really wasn't what I would say myself. I was Mm. deeply driven in my ego. I was really focused on you know, who I knew, what I could do, what parties I was at, all of this stuff that was so superficial. And I was like, Ugh, I hate to say it, but it's the honest truth of where I was at. And I think a lot of that was self-serving of me feeling not good enough in many areas of my life, wanting to feel important, wanting to feel connected with people that I thought I would feel more important if I was surrounded by. And all of that left me feeling very empty. And again, also who I was being like just you know, posturing all the time or just again in my ego and it just didn't feel good. But even while I was doing that, I was still volunteering. I was working with at-risk youth foster kids. I was going down to the union rescue mission to feed the homeless at like 4.30 in the morning on my Saturdays and always just finding a way to give back. And I kind of had one of those come to Jesus moments where I really just took a look at how my life was and I was in a deep struggle and I just decided, you know what, I can't do this anymore. 
And that was scary because, you know, when you're at that place of uncertainty, you're like, well, then what the heck am I going to do next? But I knew I just set the intention. I said, whatever is next, it just has to be in contribution. I have no idea what it's going to be, but that's it. And so I was filtering all that I obviously needed to make money. So I was looking for a job, but I was filtering it through the lens of contribution and ended up getting a job running operations at a live-in weight loss facility where I felt like, okay, at least here I can contribute and serve in some way. Now, I've always been doing personal development work. I grew up in a house where my I was listening to Tony Robbins on tape because my mom bought it off of an infomercial. I watched her making vision boards, going to vision quests and doing her own personal development. And that kind of through absorption of a child observing my mom doing that. And also I put myself through a lot of different trainings and workshops and classes and read, also studied psychology at UC Berkeley. So I always just had this background in trying to understand myself as well. And fortunately that translated into while I was working at this weight loss center, I ended up meeting this young girl from Italy. She came up to me one day and said, Hey, do you know of someone who can stay with me at night? Because it was very high end, they stayed in their own apartments, and she felt very alone in the evening. She said, and she had gone to Ralph's and bought a bunch of food, and she binge and purged that night before, and she didn't want to do that, so she wanted someone to stay with her. And I looked at her how much longer she was there for, and it was three weeks. And she, oh, she said, she's like, I'm looking on Craigslist for someone to stay with me. I'm like, girl, you are not going to have someone from Craigslist stay with you. <laughs> at night, this beautiful young 19-year-old woman. And so I said, you know what? I'll stay with you. But I'm in this leadership course. So I have to go to class in the evenings and then I'll come over afterwards. Is that work? And she said, yes. So that's what was happening. I would go to this course, go to her and teach her everything I was learning. And then within a couple weeks, my landlord told me that I had to move out of my place right on Abbot Kinney in Venice. And I was devastated because I loved my place. But I told her and she goes, well, then come to Italy to coach me. And I was mm. like, what? She goes, yes, I was looking for coach and I wanted to ask you, but I know how much you love living in LA. So I didn't ask, but if you have no home, come to Italy to coach me. And I was like, are you serious? She said, yeah. And I go, well, I want a contract. And she goes, okay. <laughs> she hooked me up with her mom and we worked out an agreement and packed up my, gave my two week notice, packed up my house and off I flew to Italy to go work with her. Mm. And yeah, so I was there for about six months. And after helped her really heal her relationship with herself and also with her father, because I knew that's where all of this started. And then came back to LA and got officially trained and then started my practice. So that's kind of wow. how it all started. Yeah. Wow. It's always amazing. And it's always that first client that you remember, right? Yes. The one that has that transformational experience. And you're mm -hmm. like, wow, I'm hooked to service. I'm hooked <laughs> to this work. Like, this is what I want to do. Such a beautiful, beautiful story. And so from then, then you started training. And then, and did you start hypnotherapy then? Is that when you started to go into that practice? No. So I started off kind of just like general life coaching and went through a few different courses, like through the Coaches Training Institute, through Tony Robbins. He taught strategic interventions. So I did that. And then I, there's so much, it's so funny whenever I remember my story, there's so much about setting intention and watching what happens because mm. then the next thing, so I set the intention for contribution and then it had me become a coach. And then all of a sudden I set the intention where I was like, I want to run groups. And the next thing you know, <laughs> a friend of mine worked for Yahoo. She was in Mexico on a trip she won. Her coworker was there. His wife was there. She was a clinical director at a treatment center, said they needed a new coach. And next thing you know, I saying this on the podcast, but I'm like, I lied my way into working, <laughs> running groups. They're like, have you done it before? I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, and, but I mean, they still test run me. Like right, they had right, me right. do a mock group session with their team and ended up hiring me. And so I was actually working inside of a treatment center with women who had borderline personality disorder, bipolar and other mood and mental disorders for about five years. And in that time as well, was part-time at two addiction rehab centers. And while I was at one of the addiction rehab places, I asked, so it was at Passages and there's like 25 modalities that all the clients get to experience from sound healing to hypnotherapy, 
Reiki, acupuncture, acupressure, surf therapy, all this stuff. And I would ask my clients there, like, what has been the biggest of all the things you get to do? Mm -hmm. What's the modality that you love the most? And it was like 75% of them said their hypnosis sessions. Wow. Yeah. And also, you know, I've done so much my own inner work, constantly doing it. I'm still, even this year, I have had three coaches, done two plant medicine ceremonies, did a 10-day Vipassana that was just like in the first five months of this year. So I'm always doing the work. But when I would do stuff, like all these workshops, trainings, landmark, you know, all this stuff, I was watching myself and others going, how come all of a sudden you feel so incredible? You feel like you got the keys to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. My whole life is going to change. And then literally within three days, if you're lucky to get even three days in that all of a sudden you go back into the drift. Yeah. Like you shift right back to where you, you were before, not all the way back, but like, you feel like you slid back Mm -hmm. close Mm -hmm. to it again. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started going change has to happen. How can we actually find a way for change to occur rapidly, but also permanently? And through my own learning, it's like I found hypnosis. And then that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to train in this. And then through NLP, once I started integrating that into my practice, and even as a client myself, Mm -hmm. it was a game changer. And so, yeah, that's how I got into the hypnosis. Yeah. So it's so powerful because I, I see this so often. I think now in the age of overconsumption of materials, right? Like we have so much free content online where we can go from podcast to podcast. We can go from blog to blog to even free workshops online and summits. And it's profound and incredible the amount of free information. But I think that until we have the courage, I know this is true for me, until I had the courage to say, I'm willing to dive into my subconscious. Yes. Like I'm willing to stop repeating the same patterns over and over and spinning the same wheel and not getting the results and struggling with the things that I know consciously that I'm making the wrong decision, but yet I'm still doing it. Mm-hmm. And why is this happening? And it's, you know, just being pulled back. And it's like, it's like in those moments, what is that? Thing, that power that is over you. And it's, and I believe, as we've talked about many times, without doing the subconscious work, without the courage to say, I'm willing to look at myself, it's very hard, right? We can, we can consume all day long and it's not going to make as big a change as one hypnosis, you know, treatment or going into hypnotherapy or delving into the subconscious mind or doing free flow writing. So I'm curious, what are some things that have been true for you and your clients that have really supported in that process or maybe created that sustainable change in terms of shifting the subconscious mind in a way that is really powerful and sustainable? Yeah. So a few particular clients popped to mind immediately. Like one of them, I had a client who she had a lot of panic and anxiety and couldn't figure out what was happening with her. She was a TV hostess, had to fly to Dubai on a job. And that was actually kicking up more anxiety for her. She had her first panic attack when she was 20. And then when she gave birth to two sons, it happened again. Couldn't figure out what was the cause of it because you know nothing had really changed in her life and went to all these different places to try to figure out what was going on. And the final answer was, here you go. Here's some Prozac. Right. And so one of her friends was a client of mine, was like, go see Stephanie. And what I did, I did a process with her where we did some regression and we were able to access a moment in time in her past through her subconscious Mm -hmm. to see that when she was seven years old, it was a Northridge earthquake. And there was all this trauma from it. And she talked about it and she said on her intake form, you know, late at night and early in the morning is usually when the anxiety kicks in more. Well, when she was recounting the experience, she said late at night and early in the morning was when the tremors hit for like a solid week after that. So yeah. And this is something again, consciously, she couldn't figure it out. No one Mm -hmm. else could either. But once we healed that in her subconscious, she was able to fly all over the place and now doesn't experience panic Mm -hmm. or anxiety anymore. You know, I had another client who had deep sexual trauma and couldn't open her eyes up while having sex with her husband. For 19 years, they were married and they have, you know, X amount of kids. And through subconscious reprogramming, through going in and 
and healing that part in the subconscious, they are good now and have, you know, very healthy sexual life. And even other people breaking addictions and the like, mm-hmm. there's, there's so much that can be done, but it's really in the subconscious and, or even a client of mine, she was so scared to open her heart to love and to trust and a deep seated belief that she was unlovable. Mm-hmm. And we, when we rewired that, all of a sudden, she met her dude at Burning Man. <laughs> I was like, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, it's once you align your beliefs mm-hmm. with what you want or can go in and heal the parts that were maybe fired incorrectly, meaning the, the wiring or the beliefs, mm-hmm. it's, it completely can change the trajectory of your life. So, yeah, it's so, it's so powerful. I know I've seen that with my own life where I was having complete panic attacks because I was in a car accident in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And every time I thought about going to a foreign country where there wouldn't be access to hospitals, I would go into complete panic. And while I was there, and then, and then it got so bad when I was going to Ethiopia that I was going into panic attacks. And so I had to do a lot of work. And, and what was so powerful was I, I did the work and then I just stepped into the courage that I had reprogrammed this. And then when I went to Ethiopia, the panic attacks weren't there, but it was just recognizing that this can be your truth and that your mind has this, it's not stuck for life. It's like, you know, I think we thought in many years ago that it was how the first five years your brain developed and it was like that forever. And that's just not the case, which is really profound and beautiful. I know. Yeah. I'm like, thank gosh for neuroplasticity. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> and in my practice, I see so many people not knowing the truth of where it's coming from, then creating guilt and shame and they're blaming themselves and then using food to suppress the guilt and shame. And so I'm curious if you see that a lot. And, and if you have any tools or tactics or just mindset shifts around the relationship with food, your body, self-love that have helped empower women in your practice, because it's such an important conversation to have because we eat three times a day. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the easiest ways to really suppress the emotional experience that we're having, even if we don't know where that emotional experience is coming from, often we just suppress it. Yeah. And I know that this is what a big piece of your work is, is actually mm-hmm. experiencing the feeling, right? Mm-hmm. First and foremost, knowing that it's safe. And then for me, it's deep diving into what is this behavior actually doing for you, right? Because everything we do there, for the most part, if it's, it's an action or a belief, there's a positive intent in some way for our survival. And so really understanding you know, what does this behavior of our unhealthy habits with food fulfill for me that is actually trying to help me survive in some way? And I think when you dive into understanding the root cause of that or the association with the food for you, then then, and there's that understanding first, because the awareness, you can't heal what you, you can't see, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Having that awareness and then being able to go in and reprogram what it is that you need so that you do, you no longer need that behavior anymore or don't need that food or don't need other addictions. Cause I've worked with people mm-hmm. deeply in that. So those are kind of the key places. And then really just meeting yourself with so much compassion and love along the way. A lot of times for what I've seen with clients of mine around food stuff and, and food can be very complicated because I've had, I, I don't really work with it anymore, but I mm-hmm. would get a lot of weight loss clients coming in mm-hmm. and there could be a, so many different reasons for mm-hmm. why and, and have it be very layered. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's a soothing mechanism. It's a coping mechanism. It's comfort for them. And can you, if you can find ways to comfort yourself and not need to turn to food mm-hmm. and finding ways to interrupt that pattern of needing to grab for something, yeah. And instead grab for yourself, right? And turning inwards, that's really powerful. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so, so important that we start to, yeah, that we start to find comfort, inspiration, love, connection, mm-hmm. all the things that we're searching for through often through food. And I think food can be, you know, food can be such a beautiful experience. That's so often we are oh, like, I've seen your Insta stories. Your food is a very beautiful experience. <laughs> I like, I love creating a beautiful experience about food, but it has to be more than that, right? We have to turn in and we have to find, find that place within ourselves. Where do you think 
And I'm, I'm curious with this, like in terms of accessing that courage in yourself, because I think people just going back to before, I think people get really, really scared once they start to unravel the parts of themselves that don't look, that aren't their favorite parts, right? The parts of themselves that are the deep seated pain, the pain from their childhood, the pain from trauma, the pain from that girl on, on the playground that said that one thing that we've carried through our whole life. And I think the first step is always that courageous moment of saying, I am no longer going to live this way. And I have the courage to step into that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious from your work, how do you get people into that space to say, like, if someone's listening right now, where they're like, I'm ready, but I'm terrified. Yeah. What is the advice or maybe the process that kind of bridges that gap where they say, okay, now I'm going to take that step to get this treatment or to go into hypnosis or to allow and trust that someone can guide me from within a place of safety to a place in myself that might not feel the best. Yeah. Well, first of all, like you said, tapping into that courage and knowing that it's actually more traumatic to stay in the habit than it is Mm -hmm. to face it head on. Mm -hmm. That's what I found because I've experienced massive pain when I'm avoiding almost more so than just leaning in and being willing to look. Mm-hmm. And then really, you know, one big part um, that I'll do is like parts work as well, speaking mm-hmm. to that part that just needs a voice at the table. So often we're suppressing it and it's like giving it a voice at the table. I know everyone has the ability to meet their friends with compassion, right? And love when they're hurting mm-hmm. or when they feel like they need to speak up and actually share vulnerably. It's the willingness to do that with ourselves and with the parts of ourselves that maybe we have shamed or judged. So that's one piece. And then the other is when I actually have my clients in hypnosis, and if I'm doing the regressive, the regression part where they're actually witnessing the past moments in time that have actually created this certain belief or this behavior, I always tell them, you're not reliving it, you're merely witnessing it. Mm. And so you can kind of disassociate yourself from it, like pull yourself back instead of feeling like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to go into it because I'm so like, I can't relive that again. It was so, so painful. And I get it. That's Mm -hmm. why we suppressed stuff. I had actually suppressed so many childhood memories because of that level of pain. And my brain was like, "Uh, -uh, don't want to feel that. Mm -hmm. So it literally locked it away. And when we actually can know and say like, you're just witnessing it so that you can heal it versus you're going to relive the experience of it. That has been what I've noticed has been really helpful for people when they've been in hypnosis where all of a sudden when I could tell that they're blocking the experience or they're like, nothing's coming up, nothing's coming up. I'm like, okay, they don't feel safe. They're not trusting themselves in it. Once I say that, that almost gives them a bit of permission to open up but not have to go into the depths of it. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. Do you find that people also carry the story? So I see this often where people are carrying the story that what happened in the past is now defining them. And I'm curious how you disassociate that or how you move people through that because the past is just a time in our existence on this planet, but it actually isn't who we are today. But I think oftentimes we carry that story that the past is still defining who we are in this very moment. Mm-hmm. And and that's carried with beliefs, right? Of course. But I think that it goes even deeper with, deeper than that where we hold the judgment and the pain or what pain has been caused to us or that we've caused to others. And I'm just curious how, yeah, how, how you think about that. Cause I, 
when I started practicing the belief that like every day I'm a new human, I like radically changed who I was. It was like, today is a new day and I can be a completely different person than I was yesterday. And I'm a different person than I was 20 minutes ago. When I started taking on that belief, things started to shift. Yeah. And so I'm just curious how you walk people through letting go. Is there a forgiveness process? Journaling? Like what are, what are some of the tools and things that you do to help them kind of disassociate from those experiences? Yeah. I mean, there's so much and I guess it so depends on the person and what tool mm-hmm. works. You just kind of got all of them to pull out. But I think kind of what you already said, it's like you, you get to choose how you define yourself. Your past does not define you. Your past might have created your programming up until now. And that wasn't completely up to you, right? Mm -hmm. But then I always like to say this. Maybe it was up to you, Mm -hmm. right? I actually believe I'm choosing to take on this belief. And I've always believed that, you know, our souls actually decided the lessons that it wanted to learn in this time on this planet. And so... All of a sudden, when we come in and based off of knowing how we're meant to grow, evolve, and to heal, we choose the environment and the parents that we come through. So you're still at choice now to define that, right? Mm -hmm. And then once you come through, how you define yourself is by who you become in the process. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that this is who I am, like my past, but who I define myself on who I'm becoming. Mm-hmm. And I get to choose that just like I chose the lessons I wanted, even though it's like, it's kind of weird to think that way, but I'm also mm-hmm. very deeply spiritual. So it works for me on that. But that the definition is who we actually say we want to be, because you know what? Like if I actually said that I'm a bold person right now, I could literally like walk out the door and take on the physiology of a bold person mm-hmm. and start doing things that are bold. Well, was that from my past? No, I chose that in this moment to define who I am in this moment. So people actually are at choice of that. And if you repeat it enough times, that is then who you become because you're now building a habit of being that way. Mm-hmm. And if that's how you want to define yourself, then that's how you can go about doing that. Because your identity is so huge. Your identity, your self-concept, the beliefs that you have about yourself, what you're capable of, how you view yourself literally defines your entire world and your reality, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I'm the kind of person who fills in the blank. Like I'm the kind of person who's great with money. I'm the kind of person who sucks with money. I'm the kind of person who loves to receive support. I'm the kind of person who receiving support is very uncomfortable for me. Well, however you defined yourself in that way is going to completely determine what you receive into your life and the path that you walk. So if you want a new path that you want to walk, start to define yourself in a whole new way. It's mm-hmm. not your past that does it, but it's who you choose in this moment to be. Yeah. I, I also have the belief that I think because I had dealt with so much trauma growing up, I, what helped me cope was the belief that, and, and I deeply do believe it, but just the spiritual belief that I chose this life. Mm-hmm. My soul chose this life. It chose these parents. I get to have this beautiful traumatic experience because in my life, it's teaching me compassion and love and understanding. And it's allowing me to do the work at such a deep level I do today. And, and I think if we begin to shift that from a place of pain and why did this happen to me to a place of gratitude, and I know you do so much gratitude work, which I love, if we begin to shift to a place of gratitude for all of it, not being okay with it, not saying those things are okay, but just saying, I'm grateful that I had the experience because it taught me this, it begins to shift again, the neuroplasticity and how we view the world and how we view our life. And when we no longer hold the resent and pain, like you said, our life just completely transforms. Yeah. What are some of the gratitude pieces and practices that you, that you do or that you recommend? (laughs) Oh girl. Well, here's one thing I actually really love. If people listening can do this is having gratitude buddies. Mm. Like I, for it's, I think it's been two years now that two of my best friends and I have been on a gratitude text chain every single morning. And it's so great to one, it creates accountability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and if I forget and one of them shoots a text, I'm like, oh yeah. So I remember. Mm. So one, it creates accountability because it's important to create the gratitude. So I do that. And then the other piece is seeing when I read other people's actually changes something for me. 
And it also has me see even more things that maybe my mind hadn't thought of to be grateful for. Mm. And to have someone witness you in your gratitude is also very beautiful. So it works in so many ways of why having someone else to do gratitudes with is really powerful. That's what I found has worked. But really, when you do create gratitude as a practice, even if you just journal in the morning or in the evening or throughout the day, whenever, but it really starts to program your mind to look at the good in things, to see Mm -hmm. the beauty in things, to see the gift in things. And wherever you place your focus generates how you feel. Mm -hmm. And wherever you place your attention also creates your reality. And so when you shift your attention and focus to gratitude, all of a sudden, everything in your world changes. And there's a part of our brain, our reticular activating system that scans the environment to look for the things that we're telling it to look for. And so if we're now commanding our mind to look for things to be grateful for, we're going to find a lot more stuff to be grateful for, which then ultimately has us feel good. And then us feeling good has us take new actions and then new results. So mm-hmm. it all plays into itself. And I really love that you brought up gratitude because it's so key. And I know you do a lot of gratitude in your work and also just even reading all the stuff that you share. It's girl, you're so inspiring. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm such a fan of gratitude because when we feel good in our body, we're going to want to move and eat healthy food. Yes. Like we're reverse engineering. It's like people saying, go move and go eat things to feel good to create that feeling. But it's like, we actually have to reverse engineer it sometimes. And yeah. so it's, it's the belief of like, when you're actually in the state of gratitude and you feel good and you're looking around, you're like, I have a reason to be on this planet. I have a reason to stay alive. I have friends like you. I have a beautiful community. I get to like do these gratitude lists with my friends every day. It's like, why would you not want to take care of your body? Yes. It's so powerful. And especially the biggest key, because I think this can be tough for people who struggle with the food in the, in the body is to be grateful for your body. Mm. I mean, this vessel that we were given, get, I can hug people with it. I can you know, mm-hmm. laugh with it. I can eat with it. I can dance with it. It gets me from point A to point B. I can travel the world with it. Like, wow, if I didn't have my body, there's so like, I wouldn't be able to really fully experience the juice of life. I couldn't, you know, hear and smell and see and all that with the bodies. If you, you're blessed to have all the senses. Mm-hmm. And I have been in places before where I've needed to ask my body to forgive me for trashing it, for mm-hmm. not taking the best care of it. And then for thanking, <laughs> thanking it for putting up with my abuse. <laughs> And we're still like pumping blood and totally. my heart and having me breathe. Like, wow, what a miracle our bodies are. When I really got to that place, it's like, why wouldn't... And when you're grateful for something, you take care of that thing. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. trash the things that you're grateful for, right? Or that you appreciate and love. And so when I got to that place myself of being grateful for my body and, and really appreciating it, of course, I was going to take exquisite care of it. Just like, you know, I take care of other things that I love and appreciate. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love, love, love that. What are some other ways that you find joy in your body? Like what are some other things you love to do? Dancing is my jam. I mean, yeah. And sometimes I'm amazed when I dance and move. I'm like, whoa, like when you actually start to see the crazy weird things you can do with your body. It's amazing. And that it's for me, that's my self-expression is through movement and dance. Yeah. That would be another thing I, I love doing. And then just the way that you can connect with other people. And I'm even going to say like when you can have that intimacy with another human being too, mm-hmm. with your body. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think it's a yeah. really beautiful thing. Yeah. I think people are scared to, when I even talk with clients, they're like, well, I'm, I'm terrified to go to a hip hop class. And then we dive in like, what, what's the story behind it? Like, why are you scared to move? And I think there is a fear. There's, there's an actual fear, especially right now to just fully embody like flow and movement and joy and creativity and inspiration through our bodies. Like, I think there's such a fear around that. Mm-hmm. And I just encourage you if you're listening and to go take a hip hop class, to go take a tap class, to go do different things mm-hmm. that you have no, like, I never knew I would like Nia class. Like I, I showed up to Nia <laughs> with like what? a bunch of 50, 50 year olds. And they were like, are you in the wrong class? I'm like, no, I'm just here. I just want to like try this for the day. I'm like, it's 
fun. Like I didn't know I'd like Zumba. I didn't know I, you know, because, but you have to have the courage to go try it. And then you, then when you're in it and you see what your body can do, even if you look like a completely out of rhythm and so forth, it's like, then you get to embody that your this belief that your body can do these incredible things. It's, it's really, yeah, really powerful. And you don't know until you do it. And mm-hmm. even for those people, maybe if you are scared to go to a class, because sometimes I get it, it can be intimidating, right? Especially if mm-hmm. we're struggling with comparison or feeling like I can only do things if I'm really good at it and show other people, if there's still stuff around what we think other people will think of us, then just crank music in your home and mm. move and start to explore what it feels like. I think so many people have been disconnected from their bodies. Yeah, I know that was me. I was like the mm-hmm. analytical thinker. It was safer to be up in my head than it was in my body. I also didn't experience a lot of physical touch when I was growing up. So it was awkward for me when people would even you know, want to hug me or touch me. I'm just grateful that I did have dance growing up as a young girl. So that's what had me connect to it. But that was the only way I knew to connect with my body. And so if that's new for you, though, it's it's so amazing when you can create a holistic system within yourself of your mind and your body together in harmony mm-hmm. and seeing, yeah, the beauty of how your body can move for you and taking those baby steps if you need to. Maybe, yeah. Maybe doing your own personal Neo class at home. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Throw on some music, turn down the lights, That's dance. Right, yeah, ten minutes. It's so fun. Yeah, I'm we're doing what you said before too. Tap into that courage, and you know what? Mm-hmm. Say, screw it. I'm just gonna go do it. And who cares what people think? But this is for me. Mm-hmm. And just and and then when you do it, you actually realize it's like you said, really fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you work with a lot of high achievers, and I know we're both like us just even trying to find a time to like, kind of like to like go to lunch and hang out. It's like, well, I'll be on this side and I'll be on the West, the West side this day. You know, it's like, it's like we're both moving so, so fast. And I know a lot of people that are listening, if, even if they're not entrepreneurs, they're really, really stressed. And I hear this all the time. There's never enough time. I never have enough time. I never have time for my family. I never have time for me. I never have time for self-care. What's your like debunk this for us because I I can't seem to find enough wisdom on this yeah. to just get people to slow down because everyone's going in the opposite direction. And every entrepreneur conference I go to, it's like people are going 10 times faster than they were last year. So yeah, h- how do we start debunking this belief? Gosh, so that is such a story we tell ourselves of I don't have enough time, right? That's actually a conversation of scarcity, mm-hmm. quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what I've been doing, funny enough, is when I actually put time into my energetic practices, my morning now is I do an hour of meditation, Vipassana meditation, and then I do breath work, and then I will journal or dance or move or something. And then that's how I start my day. And people are like, what? You Starting at 6am, I'll start doing that. And but it sets me up for my day where I don't have to move as fast because I'm aligning myself up energetically that what I want actually comes into my life instead of me needing to go out to chase it. I mean, we learn this stuff, right? But actually mm-hmm. embodying it changes the game. And I've just seen the magic and the miracles and the things that I want flow in faster and with more ease. Mm. When I focus on the self-care, when I focus on getting my energy in the right place first mm-hmm. thing in the morning instead of hopping on old me, hop on emails, get on everybody else's agenda, right? Because you getting on your emails or running around doing all this stuff, yeah, it might seem like it's for you, but it's also for other people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what would it be like if you actually focused on you, filled up your own cup so you also maybe have more energy to give to others? But like I said, it's been bizarre when not bizarre because I know this is how it works, but finally actually committing mm-hmm. to getting my energetic alignment as the highest priority, life actually became a lot easier. And I <laughs> yeah. didn't have to work as hard. And my, mm-hmm. like, actually, my income went up and my level of attracting more incredible humans into my life happened as well. And ultimately, just feeling better. So mm-hmm. that's why I encourage people to, to make that a priority. And with my clients, I have them do that. Like they'll fight me on it sometimes. And I'm like, okay, try it for one week and see what changes. And all of a sudden it's like, 
oh my God, I'm more present with my children. I don't scream at them. So, yeah, because yeah. you gave to yourself. Wow. Oh my gosh, this client that I wanted, they actually came to me and, you know, put down a bigger offer. Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. you're aligned. You're not operating from scarcity. And that's the first piece when you're saying that I don't have enough time. Yeah, it's such, such a beautiful mindset. Thank you so much. I'm like, my mind's flashing back to like two years ago. I was with a group of girlfriends and like all, we weren't complaining, but we were just like, I have this to do, I have this. And there was one girl at the end of the table and she goes, it doesn't have to be that hard. (laughs) (laughs) People wear busyness like a badge of honor. Totally. totally. I swear. It's like, it's like, I actually have a one, one person in my life who she gets so much significance from being so busy. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that doesn't sound fun to me. No. And it's yeah. like, what feels good and what feels fun? And for mm-hmm. some people, it's like, check in. What does this busyness do for you? Yeah. Like, what is it serving for you? Yeah. And what is it preventing you from? Yeah. And what I found in my own life was it was keeping myself busy and having to do lists and taking on so much and saying yes to everything was preventing me from intimacy with my husband. It was preventing me from present moment time with him. It was present, it was keeping me from lunches. You know, it was keeping <laughs> me from, the time I wanted to connect deeply without my cell phone or even just going out with a girlfriend and not having it be a work lunch, but just, I want to just connect and look you in the face and smile and chat about life and, and drop in, you know, it's really, really, really powerful when you start to identify what are the subconscious beliefs that are preventing you from living life in flow and ease and And for me, it was like, I had to heal parts of myself that were scared of those things. We're scared of dropping in deeper. We're scared of deeper connections. We're scared of present moment connection. We're scared of things that I was using my busyness as an excuse for. And it's, yeah, I think when we can identify like, what are the things that would shift if I, if everything thing came to me and a lot of my friends are do the exact same thing as you like i i want to create this connection so i'm going to go meditate instead of chasing it <laughs> exactly and, and, people and, all that, yes. and it works and it, it works. Totally works and it feels so much better to create like that mm-hmm. and it does running around like a chicken with your head got off mm-hmm. and uh i was similar to you i was so scared of intimacy that being busy didn't have me need to face being mm-hmm. intimate with people but man, you know, I also had a very dear friend pass away recently. And this one really shook me hard. And each time, you know, it just has you look at life mm. of when it's my time, what do I want to be most proud of? Is it how busy I was? Or is it the moments that I really spent with the people I love? the moments of soaking in the beauty of life, maybe going on a certain adventure or just being, you know, fully present to what is. And mm-hmm. that it was my reset. Mm-hmm. It has been my reset because I can still sometimes go into my automatic, my old automatic of the busyness. And then I have to get conscious again and slow down and I'm building new patterns and habits of obviously with my energetic routine. And that's, now really sunk in way more that I fall into the old pattern of being busy less. Mm. And I really, you know, know that what's important for me. And I think so people really even doing a check-in with yourself and maybe setting up quarterly, like it, how I'm living my life. If today was my last day, mm-hmm. would I want to still be this busy? Like, is this really what's important to me? And I know when you're mission driven, if you got stuff like that is incredible, go for it. But infusing time to that also fulfills other areas of your life that are meaningful for you as well. Yeah, I love that. I'm thinking of an exercise we did. I just did at a a mastermind where we had to write a letter to our 111-year-old self. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I would not be living, you know, and I feel like I'm very connected and present in, in comparison to where I was two, three years ago. But there were things I was like, wow, if I was 111, I would not be proud or excited to know that I spent my time caring about these little things or worried or stressed or running around. And it was a really profound exercise. So I think, you know, I think again, yeah, coming back to that, it's just so important. Like, how do you want to look back on your life? And, and what do you want to be, to be known for, for you? 
yeah. for yourself. So and being busy and being stressed out all the time is no quality of life, quite mm-hmm. honestly. And that's mm-hmm. also why I think people are getting sick so much, right? So it's up to you to choose how do you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Do you have any parting words of wisdom that you want to share or offer anything that news coming up that's really exciting that people can opt in, join, be a part of? The well, floor is yours. What's been really exciting. Finally, I got my new website up. Woohoo! Oh, yay! I know. I can't believe it's been first one went up in 2013 and I <laughs> put it up. I'd already had my business for a few years, but people were like, get up a website. So I put one up and I haven't updated it until now. And obviously I've evolved and changed so much since then. But with the new website, I actually created a manifestation audio that um, I love. And if you want to learn how to start to like get your mind focused on something you desire and get your energy aligned with it so that you can, you know, manifest with greater ease. There's a, that's a free download on my website that people can have access to. Amazing. I love that. And I think there's so many misconceptions about manifestation and I just love everything you talk about with it. Cause again, I think it's so easy to say, I want that. Like I want to create that in my life, but if you don't, it's like, it's like we're linear thinkers as humans. So we're like, Oh, well, I want to go out there to get that. And I want to move into the future to have it. But we don't realize that being in the present and actually healing the past or looking at the past sometimes from a subconscious place is really the way we're going to get to that thing we want in the future. Yeah. It, cleaning up your energy. That's all it is. Like whatever yeah. you want, you got to have clean energy behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's what manifestation is. So a lot of times people are like, I want this thing, right? Like, so let's say I want the relationship. But then the feeling, the energy is, but I'm not lovable. Or when I open my heart, I get hurt. Or when I do love people, they leave or they die. Mm. And I know that that's been, you know, people I've worked with, that those are their stories. And so the energy behind the what I want is not clean. It's, it's muddied. And so if you, once you align yourself, like it's safe to open your heart and I'll, I'm okay if I, you know, someone leaves or I am lovable or whatever. And now, the energy behind the desire is lined up and it's a clean shot. Boom. That's when things manifest. It's not a sit down and put your hands open and wait for things to fall into your lap and just say you want it all day long. You got to clean up your energy behind what it is and align yourself energetically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I love that. Yeah. Well, everyone listening, pop over to your site. What's your site? Where, where can they connect you? I want to make sure I have it right. Yeah. It's stephaniekwong.com. Oh, easy. Easy, easy. Yeah. Pop over there. It will be linked below in the show notes as well. Grab that. You'll be so happy you did. I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm so, so blessed. I'm like, I could literally talk with you all day. We're going to have to do this again. <laughs> Can we please? Let's, let's unbusy our schedule yeah. for one day and, or one lunch and we'll yeah. get on the books. But no, Sarah, thank yeah. you. You are someone who I am deeply inspired by. I also am, I admire your heart, like the, the greatness and the expansiveness of your heart, how much you contribute to people, your deep desire to serve from the most loving place and how you are such an impact just simply by being in the room and just being with people. That's how I feel when I'm around you. Um, so thank you for being you. Thank you. I, I feel the same every time I see you. I'm like, I want more time. <laughs> I want to be with you more time. And then, so we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. And I'm just so great, so grateful for the work you're doing on this planet because it's so, so, so needed. And I think anyone listening is just going to be in awe of your wisdom. And, you know, if you are listening and I know that Steph is so open to these conversations and support. And I just highly, highly recommend working with her. And I highly recommend going and just reading all of your content and all the wisdom and and subscribing to your podcast. I was on your podcast. I'm a huge fan of all of your episodes. (laughs) That's another podcast you guys have to go over, check out, subscribe and listen to because you'll just gain this times a million in terms of the amount of wisdom that you share. So thank you for being here. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Wow. I loved that conversation with Stephanie. I hope you too found it inspiring and insightful. So many individuals that come to me for health coaching are deeply unsatisfied with their body. 
or their life and immediately assume that weight loss or changing something external is going to give them true confidence, true happiness, and self-love. However, as we discuss, I want to remind you that the internal shift that allows you to love what you see in the mirror not only can come first, it must come first. And once it does, you're going to find that it's so much easier to reach your healthiest body and your life all on your own. Because throughout the many years of coaching women, I've learned that at the core of every desire, the desire to look a certain way, be a certain size, or live a certain lifestyle is the true desire to feel a certain way. And usually that feeling is the feeling of worthiness and happiness. So allow yourself the space today to reflect on what that means for you and continue to create that feeling in your life at this time. What would that look like to continue to create that feeling? Maybe happiness is about finally letting go of the diet. Maybe happiness is about saying yes to getting support for your goals. Maybe it's the thing you need to do that you've been putting off for many, many years. Whatever it is, I encourage you to tap into the feeling of happiness first and then focus on the vision for yourself of what you need to do in order to sustain it. And if you're inspired, please, please, please share a screenshot of this episode and tag me at sarahannstewart.com so I can connect with you and celebrate you and celebrate your shifts. And you can let me know how things are going for you as well. So until next episode, I'm sending you so much love. Thank you for being here. I am deeply, deeply honored to support you as always. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.